This is Brian Levine, former Disneyland train conductor, wishing you all aboard for Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to Episode 71 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we begin a three-part interview with former Disneyland cast member Holly Bartell. It's been a while since I talked to someone who was strictly a cast member, so this was a nice change of pace, and she had some very interesting things to share and some great stories. Skype acted up on us, so there are some glitches in the audio. I fixed what I could, and they don't affect most of the interview, so I don't think they'll bother you too much. I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like my book, Faith and the Magic Kingdom, published one year ago, right around this time. You can pick that or any of the 150,000-plus audiobooks as your free trial book, and it's yours to keep whether you choose to continue your membership or not. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com slash audible. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com slash audible for your free audiobook. And speaking of my book, because we are pretty much at the one-year anniversary of the release for it, I'm considering doing a special discount, special offer that will come out. I'm going to try to wait until after Thanksgiving, I think, but not very much, because I want to give you the chance to get it in time for any Christmas gifts you might want to give. Now, in this episode, Holly talks about how she got started working at Disneyland, what the Disneyland College program is, learning and working Storybookland canal boats, cross-training to the Fantasyland Classics attractions, what got in her head the most working the dark rides. Probably not what you think. It certainly isn't what I thought it was. Her favorite attraction to work and why. Some interesting guest interactions she had. Participating in proposals on Storybookland. A very special story that I shared with Holly. Transferring to guest relations and why she wanted to. Working the guest relations phones, then the information boards. A couple of comments she heard working the Disney California Adventure info board during the DCA reimagining. Guest relations rotations, and some special training that was introduced with the quote new DCA. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend. And then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're We're huge huge Disneyland Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures, and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. 
And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort, or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www.talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey Day. day. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. Some people embody exactly what comes to mind when I think Disney cast member. They care deeply about Disney, especially the park or the resort where they work. They're kind and they're fun. And I can't think of a better description than that for this week's guest. Holly Bartell was an attractions cast member and a guest relations cast member at the Disneyland Resort. She also has the honor, at least I think it's an honor, of being the first Disney friend that I initially connected with online, then met in person. Shout out to the Be Our Guest podcast for that. It's impossible to follow Holly on Instagram or Facebook and not see what a wonderful person she is and how much she loves Disney. So we are going to have some fun. Holly, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Thank you, Randy. I am definitely honored to be here and to be your friend. Thank you. We'll go ahead and dive in here and just kind of tell me how you got started at Disneyland and what you did there. Okay. Um, well, I think I can relate to a lot of other people who have worked there when I say I've kind of always been a Disney fan. And all throughout when I was younger, um, we had annual passes. My family lives up in Fresno. I actually live up there now as well. But we still would have the annual pass and we do a day trip here and there and it would be worth it. And um, so I've grown up, I grew up with Disney and all throughout high school, I would do the, any project I'd have to do, I'd try to tie it back to Disneyland or Walt Disney. Um, So I always had that kind of background. And um, my freshman year at Cal State Long Beach, I had a person that lived in the dorms upstairs in a different suite. And uh, he actually said, I'm doing this thing called the Disney College Program. And they're having an informational session tonight. And I know that you're a Disney fan. And so I thought you'd want to go with me. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Especially if it's at the park itself, you know, I want to go. And it was actually um, at one of the backstage areas at the TDA building. This great presentation. And I ended up applying that night. And I had a phone interview for the Disney College program a couple days later. And it was this whirlwind thing. And uh, I started that following January. And it was so exciting. So that was uh, that was how I started, and like you said, I started in Fantasyland Attractions. Just kind of dove right in. Wow! So that was the first you'd heard about the college yes. program was that mm-hmm. day. I had no idea what it was, um, and then during the presentation, they explained that it was uh, basically a paid internship where you got to work uh, basically full time hours, and um, then you would still go to school like normal, and then also take a couple classes. I think it was once a week um, at Disney as well. Okay. You know, I've had a couple college program cast members on the show, but they've all been Walt Disney World ones. Mm. I don't think I've had anybody from the Disneyland college program so far. Yeah, it works a little bit differently. Um, I was actually one of the, I think it was the second or third year that they did it here at Disneyland. And we did not at that time provide housing for a Disney college program unless you were from out of state, I believe. So when summer came around, I had to find somewhere to live. It was interesting, (laughs) but it worth it, definitely. Oh, sure. 
So did you end up just kind of moving in with some other friends from the college program and everybody get an apartment yeah, together? Luckily, or? my cousin was going to UC Irvine and she had, was renting a room in Irvine and had it was going back home for the summer. So I kind of took her spot for the summer uh, in that room. And so it, was, it worked out perfectly. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Lined up very nicely. Yeah. For the Disneyland College program, I assume you guys also had to go through traditions like a quote, normal cast member mm-hmm, would? Definitely. I think the only difference is that the the higher end process is different and you do have, well, definitely a lot more classroom type, but it's it, the classes don't relate really to your specific job. They're, uh, the first class I took, you have a, a forgive me, this was in 2008. So um, sure. I uh, trying to remember it was, you had a, a choice of different classes and there was one of the semesters, quote unquote, was um, kind of a big forum type. There was a large auditorium and then somebody would come in from the company and speak about their role and kind of where they came from. So it would be maybe the uh, VP of food and beverage would come and explain what they do and what their role is like. And it was really helpful to get a background of kind of all the different areas of the company when you know, you're just working in attractions, but to get a good overall sense of how the company works and all the different pieces that work together to make it run. Um, And then there was the kind of classroom-based classes. And that was what I did during my second, quote unquote, again, semester. And that was a very, very helpful class. I took, I chose the one called Marketing You. And it was a class that basically taught you how to write a resume, how to do a cover page, how to do or a cover letter, excuse me, uh, how to interview. And it was just very helpful because it not only kind of catered to maybe working your way up in the Disney company, but it was helpful for if you wanted to go anywhere at any time. Sure. Yeah, that's actually a great class to be able to get it there from that kind of experience at the same time. That sounds really helpful. Oh, definitely. So do you remember in traditions, at the end, kind of the end of the traditions class when you got your name tag? Oh, uh, yes. I remember... It was, it's like burned in my brain. Um, I, I remember the moment I got my, at that time, I think they gave you a little pouch with a lanyard on it and it had my ID in it and with my little smiling face on it. And I was like, how do I get to Disneyland? I'm going in right now (laughs) (laughs) because I was so excited. And actually a funny story. uh, I don't know if this is of help to anybody, but it was funny because I didn't know how to get from that backstage location where I was to the park. So I ended up wandering around on the city streets for a while, but (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited to get in. It's worth it. Mm -hmm. Even outside the park, just sort of look for the Matterhorn and try to head generally that direction if you can. (laughs) That's what I did. (laughs) Now, when you actually got into your role in Fantasyland Attractions, and what did you do? Like what were the jobs or the the positions that you had there? Yeah, um, so the first um, I did was... I worked on Storybook Land Canal Boats. That was my first position. So when I got to work to the actual on-the-job training, they call it, well, the first day is, is a very overview. You walk around the park. You get to know the park more as a cast member than as a guest. And so while I was familiar with the park, this was where I was learning where all the backstage areas were, where the break room was, where you would clock in and out, and things like that. That day was also a lot of parade training, so where the ropes go, where the people go, and stay to your right-hand side and stuff like that. Um, and then just learned how to drive a boat and got the spiel and 
I went from there. How long did you have to memorize that spiel? Oh, it was probably a couple, goodness. It was a couple days, but when you were tested on it, you didn't have to know all the all the kind of embellished part of the spiel. So if you were able to drive the boat safely and basically just point out the different parts of storybook land, you passed. So then as you practiced, you would get better and better at it. And um, if I do say so myself, I believe I have I had developed pretty good spiel over the years. I tried to make it funny or at least more enjoyable. So I'd, I'd talk in a pirate voice for a while. And then when we went through Monstro, I'd, I'd say, everyone, this is Monstro, Monstro, this is everyone. And then I'd say something like, oh, Monstro, what are you doing? Um, excuse me, I thought you were going to Bodaholics Anonymous. <laughs> this, is, this is not fun. Does anyone speak whale? And so on and so forth. I tried to make it fun. That's great. Did you have a favorite part of that attraction, like a favorite scene as you went through? Well, Aladdin is my favorite movie of all time. So I really love the Cave of Wonders or, and that whole part right before with the rose arches. If you haven't been on it, you should definitely do it on your next Disneyland vacation because even though it is a, a kind of a smaller attraction and you might just walk by it or just notice Monstro there, but it is really a cute and one of the original attractions, kind of. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in fact, it's my favorite attraction. Oh, really? Oh. It is. Yeah, it is. It's a good one, especially if you get a good, uh, good driver. Yeah. And I've done so, at least a couple of guest service compliments for the boat drivers on storybook land that have just been really good. Yeah. And they have to be out there, you know, in the rain, in the sun all the time. So props to them that still do it. <laughs> Absolutely. So was that the only attraction that you worked during that time? So for that area, that is a single attraction that you learn one at a time. I don't know if that makes sense. So you'd have to work there for a few months before you were cross-trained to another attraction. And so a couple months went by and I decided that I wanted to learn some more things. So I was able to cross-train to, we call it the classics. And those are all 10 attractions in the Fantasyland area, just the dark rides and the spinny rides. So um, at that time, I think they do it a little bit differently now, but at that time you learn them all at the same time. Wow. So you have, I think it was, oh gosh, I don't remember how long the training was, but it was all of the attractions at the same time, which seems like a lot, but most of them had the same ride system. So as long as you knew what you were doing for one of them, you could do all of them. Um, so for example, Snow White, Pinocchio, Peter Pan, Mr. Toad, and Alice all had the same ride system. And then teacups, carousel, and Dumbo were pretty much the same. The only one that was significantly different was Casey Jr. or is Casey Jr. because it's a, actually a real train. And so there's the throttle and the brake and the whistle and stuff like that. So that one was a little different. So I was able to cross train there. And um, the only attraction that actually wasn't open when I trained was the Sleeping Beauty Castle walkthrough. And that was still closed since 2001. And so I, I was actually really excited. And while I was working there, we did reopen it. And so I got to be part of the reopening team for that. That was pretty fun. Oh, how exciting. Yeah. Thinking of all these different attractions <laughs> in Fantasyland. And I got to figure that, and I've even said this to a couple of cast members at the attraction, and I'm sure that they hear it about 
oh, a thousand times a day. So it probably wasn't interesting when I said it, but does the music just kind of get, for lack of a better term, on your nerves after a while, or do you just kind of block it out, especially at those where, you know, you're sitting, say, at dispatch and you're hearing the same one or two songs for, you know, that whole stretch of time? Yeah. You know, now that I think about it, I did have dreams where you would just hear the the music in my dreams because it would just get in your head and you'd hear it everywhere. But to me, well, first of all, it was nice because we would we would rotate about every 15 minutes. So if let's say I'm at Peter Pan, I would be at the Peter Pan console or dispatch, and then I would be at the unload, and then I would move to, or we changed the the rotations every once in a while, but you'd at least do two attractions a day. So you'd be rotating multiple times. So I think to answer your question, more than the music, because I could pretty much tune that out, is it's the, the big organ music that would be in your head all day. But um, what really got stuck in my head was the spiels. So especially at Alice, if you are ever in line for Alice in Wonderland, you will hear it. It is Alice's voice, and she explains, So you found your way to Wonderland. For your safety, please remain seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the caterpillar and watch your children. Do say hello to the white rabbit. Para su seguridad, permanezca sentado, and then et cetera, et cetera. And then Alice would, she had no downtime. She would continue spieling the entire time. So some attractions, you get the spiel, and then it's like a pause, and then they say it again. And then it's a pause or, and, but no, Alice would just continuous. So if you were at that console for more than 10 minutes, you were saying it with Alice. I gotta say that was really good. Thank you. See, like I said, it was just, it's just ingrained. Yeah. Inflection, <laughs> everything. That was, that was wonderful. Oh. So did you have a favorite attraction of that group? Not storybook land, but of that other group that you cross trained into? It's hard to say, but I did like, uh, I did like the teacups. And I liked Dumbo. And I think at Dumbo, it was because I could um, say kind of funny things. At every attraction, I loved to, we call it theme phrasing. So if a cast member ever says anything like that to you, or they're like, um, enjoy your flight, or welcome back from Neverland, or something like that, I loved making up new themed phrasing. So at Dumbo, I loved to play with the flight theme, since you're flying in an elephant. I would be like, um, while the cast member was walking around and checking seatbelts and kept collecting feathers, I would go on the PA and say something like, we're just about to take off. Please make sure that your tray tables and seats are in their upright and locked positions. We'll be taking off shortly or something like that. Or, um, <laughs> unfortunately, due to the quick nature of this flight, no refreshments will be served. Just little fun things like that. I just, oh, I love doing that. Uh-huh. Yeah. But for every attraction, that was my goal was always to come up with some new thing to say, because, I mean, you are standing there for a long time and <laughs> it's just doing the same thing over and over again. So you have to make it fun. Mm hmm. Yeah. Do you remember any uh, guest interactions or anything when you were doing the Fantasyland attractions? Oh, so many. Uh, there was a couple people that their tradition was to be at Disneyland. And so there was a couple that always had to be last on Peter Pan. I think they're still there. Um, there was the mom and son who came almost every day and he had to rest Pinocchio and Casey Jr. at least 20 times in a row. 
that was really like his his therapy. That was what he did. And so uh-huh. just building even in the in the huge place that is Disneyland and where you get guests from all over the world, making those relationships with those guests was amazing. And one thing I did I was able to participate in a couple times was at Storybook Land, there's a cast member. I don't know if she still works there. You probably know it's Pat. We called her Grandma Pat and she would always bring us treats and she was amazing. And she would do these wonderful proposals on Storybook Land. So she would plan it all out and she worked in the morning. So she always kind of planned it all out with the person and then left it up to us to do in the evenings. And since, you know, I was a new kid, I work nights. Mm-hmm. So we would um, have it all planned out and she would have given the prob- usual room because he's on planning it, these special tickets that they would bring to the exit and we'd let them Oh, congratulations. This is so great. And we'd put them on their own boat under some pretense like, oh, you've been picked for the family day or something and put them on the boat, just the two of them. And then usually the family would either be in the in the boat before or after if the family was there. And then we would make sure to burn right in front of Cinderella Castle, which is in storybook land because we have sleeping castle, um, it, right. right when <laughs> the fire started. So we'd plan it out. We'd do our normal story, but we'd kind of put little hints here and there. So when we were coming out of or going into the Cave of Wonders, you know, saying, oh, in the Cave of Wonders, you get to make a wish and uh, maybe your wish will come right and then right in front of the castle. And then a proposal, hopefully she says yes, because you're stuck there until the fireworks are done. <laughs> right. It gets really awkward if she says no. That never happened. So good. But it was... Uh, those were some of the most magical times to be a part of that. I mean, it was a little awkward because I'm kind of sitting there on the boat like, <laughs> but it was really a part of that. Very cool. And, you know, speaking of those kinds of experiences and, and moments and things, that actually reminded me, and I don't think I've told this story on the show. So this will be a new one for my listeners to hear from me, too. Back in 2010, so we would have just missed you mm-hmm. by couple of months uh, my parents were out here for their 40th wedding anniversary they, at the time they lived in Branson Missouri and they love Disney and Disneyland and everything and hadn't been since 2002 uh, and my mom was not in the best of health and so I had talked to somebody at guest relations and then was given the number for uh, Disneyland magical moments explained the situation to them and said you know this might very well be my parents' last trip to Disneyland. And so I want to do something extra special. And they said they'd arrange it and to just come to guest relations uh, at, I think it was like nine o'clock on the first day of our visit. It was a two-day visit and pick up an envelope with some information in it and they would take care of it from there. Like, okay. So we did and we ended up meeting uh, Neil who is a, or at least was, a monorail pilot, basically near the monorail. And he did a couple special things for us, gave, you know, we front cab of the monorail and, and that kind of thing. And then he took us and handed us off to a guy named Mike who worked in Fantasyland. In this case, took us into Toontown, but the costume was close enough because uh, Neil had said, I'd love to take you the rest of the way, but we're getting ready to go meet the boss and I'm not dressed appropriately. 
And so he handed us off to somebody in Fantasyland costuming, which was Mike, who took us back and we got a backdoor entrance in to meet Mickey and got our special time with that. And then as we were leaving, Neil, or, uh, Mike says, I want to do one more thing for you. And usually I work Small World. And so that's my favorite boat attraction. But Small World is closed right now. And so I'm going to take you to my second favorite attraction. And he took us to Storybookland Canal Boats. And we got a private ride for just my family Aww. on Storybookland. Was it Mike? Um, was it kind of like a bigger guy? Or was it like a really skinny guy? He was more of a skinny guy. Okay. I think I know who you're talking about. You might. Okay. You fair, I wouldn't be at all surprised. All right. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> so. No, no, it's fine. Uh, and as it turns out, I was actually right. And that was my parents' last visit to Disneyland before or until you know, my mom died about a year and a half ago. That was their 40th anniversary yeah. special trip, last time at Disneyland. And we actually managed to kind of do an extra little thing where we got to ride uh, on, in the Lily Bell the next day. Oh, how cool. But for that, and it was just us for that too, which was really cool. But the main part of this magical experience that the you know, Disneyland cast members had created for us ended with that private ride on Storybook Land Canal Boats. Aww. So that's another reason it holds a special place in my heart. You never know. You might have been talking to me when you called because when I transferred to guest relations, the first place I worked was the phone room. Might be. So you never know. Yeah, it's been a few years, so I don't remember for sure the names of the people that I talked to, but... It would not surprise me if I did. I bet Donna was one of them. She was one of the main instrumental people in the Magical Moment program when we had it. Donna sounds a little familiar. I, th I want to say like Rebecca or something like that. Oh, yeah, like that would make sense. Rebecca's been there a while, so probably. So the Magical Moments program doesn't officially exist anymore? You no, know, I'm not sure because uh, it kind of was headed up by the phone room, I think. And then we would kind of transfer to someone else and now the, all the phone calls are taken by the Walt Disney Travel Company so I'm not sure if it's now run by them or if it's now an external because it got too big for our little operation or what it was so I, yeah I'm not sure gotcha okay so anything else you remember about or uh, want to share about Fantasyland before we talk about you changing roles. Um, I, well, I also worked in Toontown. That's part of the Fantasyland area. So in Disneyland, you're kind of, you're landlocked, we call it. And when you work in a certain place, you can only learn certain things. So um, the only things that I did not learn that I could have was It's a Small World and the Matterhorn. But uh, I did learn the attractions in Toontown, which included Roger Rabbit, Gadget's Go Coaster, and then we were also the hosts at Mickey's Movie Barn. So we were kind of just the gatekeepers and let them in right before they meet Mickey. So that was um, also just great to be in Toontown because Toontown is so unique, especially now. And it's just so whimsical and fun to be there. So that was fun as well. Mm-hmm. So that means you ended up learning a total of, what, 14, 15 attractions? Oh, gosh, yeah. Wow. I think you might hold the record for the most number of attractions. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> right. I'll, I'll make you a certificate. All right, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> With the uh, meeting of Mickey and kind of being the gatekeeper there, mm -hmm. I'm just picturing how many guests that that was probably like the highlight of their visit mm -hmm. was being there to meet him. And do you remember any of them being like 
exceptionally excited or touched or anything that they got to meet Mickey? Well, unfortunately, we weren't really, we weren't in the area where they actually see Mickey. So we would be, um, if you're familiar, the the movie barn, you got to go through the house and through the barn, and then you wait where they're playing a little movie, which is another thing that I probably have memorized. Um, <laughs> and uh, we would have a, sometimes we'd have a headset, sometimes the character host would just come in, come and tell us, okay, it's time. And we would count off about 25 people, or uh, actually it was, I think, less than that. Because, yeah, the I think maybe it was 20, maybe less. And then we would just let them in the room with the character hosts and then count out the next people. So, unfortunately, we weren't able to see when the guests were able to meet Mickey. But I have definitely seen my share of those kid faces over the years of whether it be seeing the castle for the first time or seeing a princess or oh, that face is just something that. If you're having a bad day or if you got yelled at at work or whatever it may be, that that just makes it all worth it. Yeah, it does. Ugh. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, in November of 2009, is that when the college program ended and you transitioned to guest relations? No, it was the college program. Let's see. It was over that first year, I believe in around August. I think it's an eight-month program. I don't know if it's changed since then. But I decided there's a point in the college program where they kind of give you a, this paperwork to fill out. And it's, do you want to be done? Do you want to continue on or you know, whatever it may be? So I chose continue on. And then I, was, I just became a regular cast member. And uh, what's interesting, I don't know, again, if this still happens, is when you transition. So when you're in the college program, they give you extra seniority so that you're able to obtain a certain amount of hours because the way the internship works and if you're getting credits for school, you have to be working a certain amount of hours. So your seniority is way up. And then once the college program ends, you start over. So your seniority is back to zero. And um, so that's really, so you get a maybe like 10 hours in a week or 12 hours in a week. Um, but, you know, it's, again, it's worth it. And you're going to college, so you really don't care anyway, because you're like, I have to balance this with school and everything. Right. So, yeah, um, once it once the college program ended, I just decided to stay on in Fantasyland Attractions. And it wasn't until, yeah, I guess a year later, I was just feeling, I, I love Fantasyland, and I loved interacting with the guests, and especially the kids. But let's say, okay, I was at, let's say, P- Pinocchio, and... I would be welcoming someone into the vehicle and putting their lap bar down and telling them to enjoy Pleasure Island or wherever. And they would ask me as I'm sending the vehicle into the attraction, they would say, oh, where should I watch the parade from? And I'd be like, uh, and they'd already be gone. So I wanted to tell them, oh, if you stand here, there's a really great spot. And oh, all you have to do is go over here and make sure you stay to the right when you go across the street. Otherwise, you're going to go. Like, I wanted to explain all of this to them so that they could make sure to get the best spot possible. But I couldn't because I was stuck there and I couldn't explain. And then they were going on the ride and I probably never was going to see them again. So I thought, you know what? It's time. I really want more guest interaction. So I thought about going to characters for a while. And then I was like, you know what? No, I think guest relations, because I love being the tour guide, um, especially since I was at Storybook. I love doing the tour guide thing there. So I was like, oh, I think I'd be a good tour guide. 
So I um, transferred over to guest relations and uh, started over there. So that was my transfer experience. It was actually quite easy as long as you don't have any bad things on your record. <laughs> you know, you're not late too much or stuff like that. You haven't had any poor performance issues. You should be fine. And if that department is taking people at the time, that's another big thing. One thing uh, that's special about guest relations is that they no longer hire directly from the street. So somebody can't come in and apply to be in guest relations. They have to work in the park for a certain amount of time first somewhere else and then transfer to guest relations. That makes sense. You want the people who have some experience there and didn't just come wandering in off the street for a job. Yep. Okay. So, and then you said you started on the phones there. Mm -hmm. Yes. So at the time, this, like I said, it's now at the Walt Disney Travel Company, but um, you'd start at the phone room. So there's a, a teeny room behind City Hall and it probably held at the time. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe 10 phones. And we all just sitting in our chairs and answering phones. And so when you called the general information number, that's who you'd get. You'd get one of us. And it was a really, really great way to learn all the information you would need to know in the next roles that you would have in guest relations, because people would call about anything. I mean, park hours at the time, let's see, this was 2009. So I luckily didn't have to deal too much with the free on your birthday promotion, mm -hmm. but I did uh, have to deal with the um, give a day, get a Disney day, the if you volunteer, you get a free ticket which we had the cap at however many, what was it, a million? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was a million. And that ended by March. So then I had to continue fielding calls the rest of the year. Are you still doing that? Even to when I, um, when I left in last June, we would still get questions, um, people coming in just asking questions. Do you still get in free on your birthday? We still get that question all the time. <laughs> I get that question and I never worked there. I'm just people know I'm the Disney guy or own work, that kind of thing. And I have so many people ask me that exact question. It was a powerful promotion. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So yeah, you'd start in the phone room and that was so great, like I said, because you would get to know everything. And then from there, you'd learn the information board um, and then the information station over at California Adventure That's that was in the, at the same time. So that was more, now you're more face-to-face -face with the guests, learning how to answer those same questions, but in the park. So you'd have to know, uh, where's the nearest XYZ? You know, where's the nearest lockers? Where are the water fountains? Where's the restroom? Where is this? Where, you know, everything like that. And then um, where Disney, you also update the wait time board. So that was another problem. That was difficult at times because... So you'd wear a radio earpiece where you could hear when attractions were going down or coming back up, but if you're talking with a guest and you're answering their question and then an attraction goes down or up when you're talking to them and you don't hear it, sometimes it would be difficult to get updated information. So when, well, now it's all way, way better than it used to be, but when the online wait times came on board, we, it was so helpful to us because we could keep everything updated a lot better. I'm sure. Yeah. And it was at that tip board there in California Adventure where I met you in person. Yes. That was the one that was after Buena Vista Street though, right? Or was it, oh, where, what point of construction was that? <laughs> oh, that would have been. Because it wasn't the old 
station with the, was it? No, because I remember we had to wait. We were on our way to you, and we had to wait and let the red car trolley go by Okay. Yeah. before we could finish crossing the street and get to the tip board. So I am remembering it was after Buena Vista Street was open. Right. Yeah, so that was a fun transition. When I started, it was that old information station with the four sides, and, or the three sides, by the Zephyr and the Burbank ice cream. And then while there, we were under construction, it was basically just <laughs> wherever we could put a podium and uh, we'd have to wheel a cart out every day with all our buttons and everything because we didn't have anything permanent so we had to move multiple times but that was it was just fun to see all the transitions going on and oh that was that was one thing that I would get asked all the time in, in California Adventure when I work at the info board or at least it was a comment that people thought they were funny um, they would say something like, oh, I feel like a mouse. And where's the cheese at the end of the maze? Because that was when all the walls were up. And Right. Yeah. Uh, it's the things you hear over and over and over. <laughs> I guess DCA stands for Disney's Construction Adventure oh, right now. Yeah. Oh, that was a good one. The hundredth time, it was still good. <laughs> right. <laughs> so did you stay then in DCA for your kind of in part guest relations time? Did you get to move over to Disneyland or did it kind of go back and forth? Yeah. Um, so that's a great thing about guest relations as well is that you're not really tied down to one place five days a week. You move around, you get to do multiple things. And when you first learn something, usually you want to be there for you know every day in a row just so that you get familiar with it. But once mm -hmm. you kind of have learned or cross-trained in all the locations, you you get to move around and hop around a lot. So it's great. So um, one day I might be at the Disneyland info board and then the next day I could be at the DCA info board or, and then once you learn um, lost and found, you might be there every once in a while or uh, city hall or DCA guest relations and the list goes on. And so it could be different every single day. Wow. I haven't paid much attention to this, shame on me, but is it the same costume in both parks? Yes. So it's just the standard plaid, right? Yes. Um, the We call it uh, the VIP costume, which is kind of funny because we wear it for everything except for tours, but that's what we call it. I don't know. <laughs> we used to have one different costume, and that was for the Blue Sky Cellar. It used to be its own kind of entity. So when you worked the Blue Sky Cellar, you'd wear a different costume. But, well, now it's closed right now for however long until they figure out what else to put in there. Um, right. <laughs> it is now part of the info board kind of rotation. And then now that we have the DOS kiosks throughout the park as well, that's they've worked in those so that people kind of get to move around and go on break and stuff like that, too. Okay, so it, they've set it up now kind of like an attraction rotation, mm -hmm. just covering a larger area. Yeah. You don't necessarily move 20 feet to get from unload to load. You might have to go a couple hundred yards to get from one spot to the next. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. Since you were there as DCA was undergoing all of this refurbishment and upgrading and changing and everything like that, as a cast member there, particularly a guest relations cast member, did you get to kind of preview any of those things other than the actual cast member preview days right before the things open? But did you kind of get any hard hat tour, sneak peek sorts of things where you kind of got to see it in development? Um, not as a cast member, but I did know someone where 
I kind of had a, a little bit of extra privileges at the time. So if you go on YouTube and you might be able to find me uh, writing Luigi's Flying Tires before it opened. But um, as a cast member, other than the cast member previews, no, we weren't able to unfortunately get any pre-previews. And I think I remember hearing that right around the time that the kind of grand reopening of DCA was going to happen, that they instituted sort of like a secondary training for all of the DCA cast members. It was kind of like, okay, here's the story of the park and, you know, kind of making it feel more like Disneyland with uh, the theme and story and everything that went along with it. Was that something, well, first of all, did that happen that you know of? And if so, was that something that you were a part of too? Oh, I totally forgot about that. Um, yes. We periodically, when we'll, I still say we, I apologize. No, it's okay. Um, we would have kind of showcases every once in a while when something new would be introduced. So for something like that, it was a, actually a pretty big production. We would have a lot of the entertainment cast members would go and they'd set up one of our studios with different rooms and they'd do a little, kind of a little act out thing that would that would show you these new food items or this this new offering and one that I really liked that I remember was uh, when they were talking about I think it was Buena Vista Street they had an old he was playing an old timey radio show host so we were watching him on a stage pretending like he was talking to a radio show and he was doing all the sound effects that they used to do and um, just talking about, oh, Walt Disney come to California and da da da. And it was just the coolest thing that they just put so much effort into training us so that we know, we're aware of the backstory and stuff like that. So that would happen pretty frequently when we'd offer something new, like for World of Color or because we had, you know, that opened before and then etc. So that would happen once in a while. But then we did have a special class called Our California Story. And it was a very interactive, you'd have to kind of answer questions. And it was getting together of the cast members that worked at DCA from all lines of business. And you'd basically share to the room kind of fun things about your area. So somebody from uh, flying by would tell you Oh, the calendar, if you look at the calendar in Flying By, there's a special significance that circle on the calendar. And so the, you, the rest of the cast members that work there could understand more about the details of the park rather than just the store's cast member knowing about that little tidbit. And it was now foods and, and guest relations and everybody else could now attractions. So now they knew and it was something that they could you know share to the guests, especially the guests that are always looking for those little hidden things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that class was um, very, very helpful. And it went through the story, the backstory of the new, or not the expansion, but the new Buena Vista Street and how it was important to our company's history and basically going back to Walt Disney. Because guests did ask, like, why did you change this? What is this? What does this mean? What is this for? Why does it look like this? You know, why did you choose to do this? And so just having that knowledge was very important to make the guests feel like, well, you know, what we're talking about, you know? Right. <laughs> Before the renovation of DCA, did you have a favorite area of the park? And did that area stick around in the, the new part? Um, 
You know what? I never thought about that. I I just love what they did so much that I think I don't That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Holly Bartell for being my guest and to you for listening. Next time we'll pick up where we left off and have some great stories about her time as a guest relations cast member, including being a VIP tour guide. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, maybe you've written a book, you've created a website, or you're blogging, writing, or performing music, doing art of some kind, painting, sculpting, anything like that, whatever it might be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, then I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who have worked for Disney, like Holly. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and had a special encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or really you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, then I want to hear from you too. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic, too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com, for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.